Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, it's first Friday, so Karen Perkins is here. For some reason, I can't get her up um, on this call. So maybe, Karen, you could call in via phone because I've sent the link to the call, but it um, seems that you're unavailable. It's saying, I don't know, these technology doesn't work for me that well. In the meantime, today we have a great saint, Saint John Marie Vianney. And uh, he is uh, the patron saint of all priests. And this man, um, born in the late 1700s, uh, uh, and a priest in the 19th century, uh, really he was somebody when he was a child, the French Revolution was still going on, and he was receiving his sacraments in sort of the underground church. And, uh, of course, they were killing priests at the time. So as a young boy, he looked at the priests as great heroes, he wanted to be one of these heroes. And so his mission, his vision for life was to become a priest. And it was very difficult for him to become a priest. He had to um, go through a very difficult uh, trial of sorts in his education. He just couldn't grasp Latin. And he was about uh, the 200th out of 200th in his class. So he was basically let go from the seminary after just a few months. Um, so I'm just reading text, trying to get Karen on the call here. I, yeah, I don't know what to do. Karen, if you're listening, I would say call into the station and they're going to put you through that way. Uh, okay, so um, something unique about John Vianney is because he was so holy, he was incredibly holy, uh, the devil hated him uh, more than most and tormented him physically. He was beaten by the devil. Uh, he would be dragged out of his bed at night and thrown on the floor. Uh, his bed was lit on fire on one occasion. Um, and so all through the night, they, the devil would drag chains through the house to keep him awake and annoy him. He'd have uh, demons howling in the night to keep him awake in the hopes that it would stop him from uh, ministering the sacraments the next day in the morning. But it didn't stop him. He was un unflappable. And in fact, he would spend about 10 to 12 hours in the confessional during the winter hours and 16 hours in the confessional during the summer hours. And by the end of his life, he had about 25,000 people that would come uh, every year, pilgrims, to come to his church to hear his preaching and go to confession. So um, a remarkable man. He really transformed France during this time that he was alive. And the devil once said of him, if there was just two more of you on the earth, my kingdom would be destroyed. So quite the saint. St. John Marie Vianney, pray for us. Karen, you're with us? I am indeed. Good morning, Father Dan. Good morning, Radio Welcome Maria. Back. 
Thank you. <laughs> I was <laughs> here, I promise. Live radio. <laughs> Pardon? So much fun. Live yeah. radio, so yeah. much fun. Oh yeah, so, it's live theater folks, live theater folks, yes. Tell us, tell us what you have for us today. Well, I don't know what I missed because I was afraid to have Radio Maria on, no, on my phone. No, I was talking about the Saints of the Day, so we didn't touch on uh, oh, no, First Friday. Okay. Did we touch on the fact that it's your birthday and I'd like to say happy birthday and ask all the Radio Maria listeners to join me in saying happy birthday to you? No, I did not wish myself a happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Father Dan. Thank you very much, all of you. Very and I kind. think it's per I think it's perfect that you were born on the day that is Saint John Saint John Vianney's feast day because he is also the patron saint of all of all priests, is he not? Yeah, he is. He is. I heard the funniest thing this morning at mass. Our priest was speaking um, about uh, Saint John Vianney briefly, and he said, "You know, there's a legend that um, many of his parishioners came to him, and knowing his, how strong his prayers were, how efficacious, and they said, would you please pray for our special intentions, not to be named, but our special intentions, please, this month?' And he said, "Of course," and he prayed for them every day, every day, every day, and days and days went by, and he finally asked them, "What is this intention that I'm praying for for you?" And they said. Father, we are praying that you will be transferred to another church. <laughs> oh, wow. Because it was a joke, but he was because he was so tough and so great at what he did and converting souls, but he had high standards. And so they were they were jokingly telling him that he was too tough. <laughs> well, you know, when he got there, they had no pastor prior to him. It wasn't like he was taking over somebody else. So they had no sacraments mm. for quite a while. And they basically slid into the ways of the world and they would have these dances which would lead to fornication. And mm -hmm. he was wildly uh, against them. In fact, if someone said they were going to these dances in their confession, uh, he would say, you're gonna stop though, right? And if they said, no, I'm not gonna stop, he wouldn't absolve them. He would say, then right. you have to, I'm absolving you. Um, in fact, and then he built, he had a little chapel to St. Philomena, but on the doorway going in, he had a plaque with St. John the Baptist, who he also had a great devotion to. And it said on this plaque, he lost his head over one dance oh to my kind of drive me. Point home to the people going to the dances that they were evil. So yeah, he was he had a tough road, but in the end, you know, he prevailed. He prevailed, and he has, I'm sure, inspired many priests to, to answer the call to vocation, including you. And I think it, it must be a sign of predestination that you were born on his day. Well. Uh, yes, I would. I think all things work together for God's purposes. When I was actually born, his feast day was a different day. And oh. It got moved August 4th. Um, I think when I was, you know, in my early years, the church moved it. But I didn't know that until I was an adult that it got moved. And I felt like God moved it so that it would be on my birthday. So <laughs> I, I think felt so. More think privileged. So. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Wonderful. So today, are we yes, talking about we, tepid yes, souls? We, we're talking about tepid souls, and because time is shorter today, um, we we also missed uh, the June show and the July show, I think, due to some growing pains with the new computer, and then you were out on a very well-deserved vacation, which I trust went well. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Yeah. Thank Wonderful. You. So, yeah, the sixth, the sixth promise for June was um, that sinners will uh, find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy 
And that's an amazing tie-in uh, to St. Faustina and the D Chaplet of Divine Mercy, where, where we see those words literally echoed almost 300 years later, ocean of mercy. Those were the exact words given to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And then again, we see that um, in St. Faustina. So there's there's a huge sign right there, because I've noticed in any, in any of the uh, reports that we have when um, Jesus himself speaks to a visionary or a mystic, um, or when Our Lady does, every word is is so important. It contains so much. There's no wasted words, and every word has so much meaning. So I think there's there's definitely um, great significance to this ocean of mercy here. And then in July, t the seventh the seventh promise kind of dovetails right into the eighth promise. So I thought if I could just do a quick review of those two, and then you could you could just speak to the eighth promise mostly, sure. but. Address anything, of course, because we want to learn from you and anything you have to teach is great. Uh, so we go from June, sinners shall find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy into the seventh and the eighth promises, which say, number seven, tepid souls shall become fervent. Tepid, another word for lukewarm. And Jesus hated tepidity. In fact, um, he actually said to St. John, and it's in the Gospel of John um, in uh, three, chapter 316, he says, and he was speaking prophetically at that time to him, but for all ages, for all of us. And he says, quote, I would that you were hot or cold, but because you are tepid, I will begin to vomit you from my mouth. And that is just really so strong. I mean, <laughs> an involuntary reaction of extreme rejection, if I ever heard one. So this is the seventh promise. Tepid souls shall become fervent. We sure don't want to be tepid. We don't want to be lukewarm. And tepid souls shall become fervent goes right into number eight. And fervent souls shall speedily rise to great perfection. So in one month, you can go from tepidity to fervency. And in the next, fervency can speedily rise to great perfection. Father John Harden, are you familiar with with him, Father Dan? Yeah. Did you like him, his teachings? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's amazing. I just came across him in June. Of course, I'd heard about him, but didn't didn't click in. It turned out he had been a professor um, at the college for a few years. I didn't get to take him, but he was in advanced theology at the college I attended. And he taught in many different colleges, and he actually formed over 500 of his own priests. And he was tough. He was traditional. He was a Jesuit, but he was tough. He was traditional and true to the teachings of the church. And um, he had some some interesting insights just to add in general, if anyone is new today and, and just hearing about the devotion to the Sacred Heart for the first time. But he, he said, why do we think um, that Jesus would appear at that time in 1673 of all to, of all people, Sister Mar Margaret Mary Alacoque, of all times when she lived in the 1670s and to a member of her particular religious institution? Why, why is that? Why would these promises why would should they have been made in those conditions? And he said, because in her day is as in our day, the virus, and it, by the way, when I heard him speak this message and, and when he refers to an our day, he's talking in 1987, but just think about how much worse this is now in 2023. He says, because in her day, as in our day, the virus of Jansenism infected the Catholic church. Jansenius, who had been a Catholic bishop, lost his Catholic faith 
And that was tragic because he spent over 20 years writing a book called Augustinus, which Father Hardin says was one big heresy after another, the most fundamental error being that is said when God became man and died on the cross, he did not die for all of mankind, he died only for the predestined, which Father Hardin just calls straight undiluted Calvinism, but in this case taught by a Catholic bishop. And that was a lie. So the Sacred Heart chose Margaret Mary because St. Francis de Sales was actually the founder of her order, the visit, the Order of the Visitation. And St. Francis de Sales was apparently the most outstanding opponent of Jansenism in the Catholic Church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And he said, he, he goes on to say, Christ died, Father Hardin says, concludes, Christ died for all of mankind. Whoever's not saved is not because God chose some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell, but because some some will be lost because they refuse to repent, and that the heart of repentance is trust in the love of God and in, and in his divine mercy, coming right back to his divine mercy. So um, I just thought that was an interesting reflection, what I, what I wanted to share in June. Um, but in the interest of time, we'll go from there, unless you wanted to say anything about the ocean of mercy and this amazing connection to divine mercy 300 years later, Father? No, keep going. Okay, so tepidity. Um, if you've ever heard of Father John, I don't know how to say, this is French, Croise, C-R-O-I-S-E-T, Croise, Croise. He was a French priest in the same time as St. Margaret Mary um, Alacoque, and um, he died in Avignon, but he um, he actually contributed, he, he wrote the book Sacred Heart, um, Sacred Heart Devotion, Devotions to the Sacred Heart. And um, he has an entire chapter on obstacles, obstacles to receiving the graces of the Sacred Heart. And one part of that is all on tepidity. And I thought I was doing okay since I've <laughs> felt this surge of fervency for the last few years come up. It hasn't gone. I'm so grateful. I thank the Holy Spirit every day. But when you hear this chapter on tepidity, it is frightening. He... It, it, it just sounds like everything that he describes as tepidity sounds like normal life today. And um, that's, that's, that's really, really scary. He talked, you know, talking about just speaking, you know, casually uh, speaking to the sinner first, you know, in, in our own, in our own voice, we hear the things. And then he addresses priests and religious and, oh, minor murmurings against your superiors and this, and just a, a, a cavalcade of things that you would think, are you know normal daily things that would fall under tepidity? One, what are your thoughts on this? Well, to me, it's a bit of a conundrum because people who suffer from tepidity, um, there's a lack of zeal. There's a slothfulness. Um, I think today in 2023, we're probably living in one of the greatest times of indifference towards all religion coupled with a love for material comfort th these are the common signs of our times so my question to the lord is how do you get this person to begin this devotion you know i don't that's the problem sure once they get in there and start doing it they're, they're going to go out of tepidity into a devotion to jesus but how do we get them in the church i would imagine that's going to be through our crosses that we offer up for the poor souls who are lukewarm but that you know right. that's the part that I worry about. It's like, well, they don't want to come to church. They they have no desire. They they want to watch TV or you know uh, 
sit at the beach or whatever. But how do you get the lukewarm people back in the church? So that's that's kind of the hard part. That's the new evangelization that Pope John Paul II began speaking about. I, I think it has to start with with prayer for the people who are lost. You know, and I was one of those people and I got back somehow through many mm-hmm. prayers for many. Mm-hmm. So to to pray in particular, everyone listening, if you could in particular pray for tepid souls to be given a grace to be set ablaze by the Holy Spirit, it would be a great, a great uh, act of mercy to pray for these people because they are in a state of blindness caused by their passions and they're in a, therefore in a state of continual dissipation. And they're living in a multitude of venial sins, if not mortal. And there's a complete uh, withdrawal of grace because of their state of life. So it's really going to take people who are already in the church, people who are already fully active in the church, people who are already devoted to the sacred heart that have to pick up the slack here and start praying for the tepid souls. I don't see how they're going to get in any, you know, it's going to be God's grace, of course, but he wants to collaborate with us to get them back, don't you think? Absolutely. And I was just going to say, John Croze, Father Croze, um, echoes exactly, and he, he wrote in the 18th century, but he said, tepidity is scarcely ever cured. And um, what makes the state still more perilous and, and obliges Jesus to reject the tepid soul is that she is, in a certain way, beyond hope for tepidity is scarcely cured. And um, they're not because these sins are sometimes not of the gross and scandalous kind that would horrify a soul, which has little fear remaining, but are can be purely interior and not pass beyond the heart. And when I go to um, some other notes from uh, um, um, a catechist from uh, Pennsylvania, it says, the devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus can help turn tepid souls fervent for Christ, enthusiastic for love of God and neighbor. And it reminded me that um, in the beginning of, of my reversion, and again, all I can do is sometimes just speak from my own experience that because I did, I was tepid, but I didn't know I was. That's that's really frightening. You can be going to church for years and not know that you are, in fact, tepid. <laughs> and um, the um, the amazing thing that happened what, that I've told you is for that year in, in 2020, when we were first um, all, um, you know, forget the word, but we had to all kind of isolate and uh stay in our homes. There's a term, I can't pick it up, but when we had to kind of isolate, I started to watch the Chaplet of Divine Mercy every three o'clock, every day at three o'clock um, on EWTN. I did that for just about nine months. And I think I've told you this before, just saying it, not exactly know, not exactly knowing what was going on or what it was about, but just finding great comfort and, strength, and comfort in saying that and making that a ritual. And about nine months later, I, as I say to you crudely, I feel like I got hit with the zeal stick. I feel like the Holy Spirit hit me with the zeal stick and the lights went on and I and the thirst came and I couldn't stop reading, learning, talking, thinking. And thanks be to God, we started this devotion to the first Fridays, did that for nine months, have kept it going, still went again today, praying for the reparation of souls. First Saturdays, again, com, uh, confession the day after. So I just pray for this and pray for the world every day that this getting hit with the zeal stick over the head can happen. I don't know how else to say it because I didn't know that I didn't know. I didn't know that I was tepid and now this fervency is here. It can happen without people even knowing to ask for it. I guess if they're just open to 
starting to pray or starting a devotion of some kind, which I, I really credit in this case to the to the chaplet of divine mercy. Mm-hmm. You know, th- and this priest you speak of, uh, Quasay, this is all written in, in the late 1600s. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, this is a, excuse me? Yes, yes, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about such a long time ago, uh, yet when you look around today, you know, these markers that he he uses to to kind of pinpoint the problems of the time. Um, occupation with trifles, perverse habit of doing one's actions without in, any interior thought, but doing everything by whim. Sloth in acquiring the virtue proper to one's state, disgust for spiritual things. He's talking about our generation, uh, probably on steroids. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is truly, when you look... At the culture today, the Kardashian Real Housewife culture, it's all of this stuff, and um, we we do think it's normal. We've this has become the new normal is to just be a consumer of goods. You know, we've become consumers. We're pack men, just you know, want 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 want, just consuming, 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 and the spiritual is dying. For many people, they don't have a spiritual life. It's just, it's not important. They don't understand it. So, yeah, I do believe um, that what you mentioned is true. When when people, they have to have that moment where they think, maybe I need something more. That normally comes with trials. Right. When people are, are have their back up against a wall and they're between a rock and a hard place is when they they finally start crying out to God. If, oh, God, if you're there, help me. I need help. Mm-hmm. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be. Maybe there's going to be God will allow, you know, even uh, tribulations. If one lives through them, that's considered a mercy because it will get them back to God. So, you know, yeah, I remember some, yeah. after 9-11, the churches were packed for about three weeks every day, not just on Sunday. And then and people went kind of slid back into their old habits. And, you know, um, not that we would wish for something like that to happen. But we need something to happen where people are shaken a little bit out of their comas of tepidity. Yeah, and and that brings us to the eighth, which I think is is a good news promise. And I want to end on a happy note here and have you share with us about this this um, speed. But the word uh, the promise is fervent souls shall speedily rise to per- great perfection. And in other in other places it says fervent souls shall quickly mount to great perfection. Or speed speed or quickly is the key word. And Father Hardin said a single act of the selfless love of Jesus, who we believe is God is enough to make us saints. The key is we have to have enough faith in mind and fervor of will to mean it. So when we say, and you know, we can we can literally talking about speed or quickness, just say, my Jesus, I love you. But say it and mean it. You know, he says, mean it, mean it. And if you mean it, it can happen that quickly. You can be on the road to, as Christ promises, high perfection. Yes, you can, but you've got to begin somewhere. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the, that's where the rub comes. It's like where, where do we begin? I was, you know, I spoke with um, I think it was just yesterday, wasn't it? I don't know what. Yeah, I think it was uh, Christine Watkins. Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Was. Yes, yeah. Father Michael Beard. Yep, and, and Sister Elf, and Mother all, Elvira. Uh, that the idea of a warning, you know, it's kind of unprecedented, you know. But God's done things that have been unprecedented before. You know, the flood, 
that was a one-time deal that never happened to any other generation. So, you know, God gets to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it because he's God, he's the creator. So if he decides, you know, this particular generation, because of the burdens of, of the deceptions of the evil one, and perhaps even the Antichrist, then I will allow this warning just to let people know one final time, you get to choose, do you want to be with me or not? That would wake a lot of people. Might be a better way. Are you interested in hearing about it? And it's just a gentle invitation to talk about, you know, let me let me hear about your troubles and, and let me see what I can do to help you. And that's when people are more open because they're at a state of desperation and they're, they're willing to try just about anything. And, and that's when we have to bring them to Jesus. You know, Andrew brought everybody to Jesus and then he let Jesus take over and we can be the same. Absolutely. Amen to that. And, and, and that people can remember, too, that this devotion to the Sacred Heart is also the devotion to the Eucharist itself, not just in an abstract way, but in a literal way, because as we, as we have learned and seen in the reports of the Eucharistic miracles, the Eucharist actually has turned into the real flesh and blood of Jesus, and it has been found to be literally his myocardial tissue, tissue from his actual heart. Yeah, in the Eucharistic miracles, it, it always is, yes. Very true. So, yes, sir. So we pray so that next, tepidity, tepidity turns into fervency. And next, the next time we talk, Father, in September, that promises about, I, I was hoping that we could um, in September go th do a nice review of all the other promises because it's just one promise to do that day. But I realized that is about the, um, I will bless the homes in which the image of my sacred heart shall be exposed and honored. Is it possible that you could do an enthronement over the radio for people? Would that work or does it have to be in person with the priest in the house? Uh, actually, you don't need a priest. Okay. If you read instructions, the enrollment, it's, it, if there's no priest present, the, the head of the household can do that. So if there's, you know, if that's a dad or a husband, uh, if there's, if you're just a single person, it would be you, but you can do it on your own. You, you should have the picture. You need to frame the picture and then you can follow through it. I can read it. Oh, it's actually not a short thing. It takes about a half hour. You know, have okay. you ever had it done? I have not, not in the house. No, we still need to it's, do that. Uh, it's 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 an or it's a big old thing. It it takes about thirty minutes from start to finish. So I don't know if we want to do that over the radio, but certainly people can find it if you Google uh, and throw them to the Sacred Heart in my home. The whole thing comes up. It's the whole ritual, mm -hmm. and um, that is a thing that would be good for everybody to do. The other thing you can do is you can call your priest and say, "Can you come and do this for our family?" and Priests are happy to do it, you know, but it does take a little bit of time. So it's, you know, you're not going to be able to do the whole parish in a month. Right. And we're just about out of time. So thank you, Karen, for being with us. Sorry about the I delay this I morning. Pray, and let me impart my blessing to all of you. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God Amen. bless you. Have a great weekend. This is Father Dan signing out. Happy birthday. Thank you. Ha, 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 ha.